Would you open God's precious holy word to Numbers chapter 12? Already the third rebellion after that wonderful era, that time, that period where it uh, was put together, everything was organized, the people all seemed to be on the same page with regard to their work and direction, but uh, things then went wrong. So now, the third rebellion is a challenge to the authority of Moses. It comes from his sister and his brother, Miriam and Aaron. Well, let's look at it and see what we can pick up here. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses. The, the, the Hebrew word over here is in the feminine to speak against. It means that Miriam is the leader of this, okay? She, she is the one who, of course, Aaron has already shown himself in the golden calf uh, debacle and, and other things. But in this case, Miriam is the leader of this challenge because of the language. Spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had taken as a wife, for he had taken a Cushite woman. So her, her approach that she thinks will win support from the people is an attack on the ethnicity of this wife of Moses. I've talked about this before, and uh, I think it's in Josephus, the historical record, a Cushite or Ethiopian woman is, um, the, the, the record is that, you know, that, that he took her out of an obligation when he was still the commander of uh, Egyptian forces. Uh, I don't guess I wore it out, so I'll tell it again about how Moses, the Ethiopians, the Cushites, they were a thorn in the side of Egyptian trade, trade routes, caravans. And Ethiopia was a, was a great empire in its day. As a matter of fact, in many ways, they challenged the might of Egypt, especially in that part of the world outside of the greater uh, Nile region. So, according to the historian, Moses was charged by Pharaoh to take a force, to take the forces of Egypt and attack the capital city there in Ethiopia, and there was a problem. The city was surrounded by a swamp. The swamp was filled with small poisonous snakes that were very dangerous, very deadly. So in the time that they surrounded the city, they watched carefully, and it was noted that a particular girl made her way through the swamp and 
back into the city again on a fairly regular basis. And so Moses gave the command to capture that girl, which they did. And she was interrogated. How is it that you can go in and out like this and these snakes don't bother you? And she said, well, you have to create a path that you know is devoid of these snakes. And the way that you do it is you take a certain kind of bird, a stork, this particular bird, and you set those birds in, this, in a particular area so that you could make a path. And those birds will eat those snakes and clear the path. And so Moses, because of her condition, before she would say anything, she told Moses that she would give up the secret if he would take her as a wife. So he took her as a wife and uh, brought her back then because they, uh, her information was good information. They, they captured storks. They made them a large uh, swath into the city, defeated the city, came back in victory. And according to the historian, now there are other stories as well as to why uh, he had this particular wife, but seems to me the most credible is that particular story. So she had been, she had been a wife of Moses for quite some time. But, and we studied this back in Leviticus, there were laws about other nations, not just that. We also saw that uh, there was a rebellion. We saw it earlier in our study. There was a rebellion uh, within, within the ranks of the people here, uh, Israel. And it was led by what they called the mixed multitude. And the mixed multitude were those people who ethnically were not Israelites or perhaps were part Israelites, having been born in Egypt, but were not, were not full-blooded Israelites and they were troublemakers and they, they stirred up a rebellion that was early. So there was, there was already um, an attitude with regard to those people who ethnically were not Israelites. It seemed then apparently to Miriam that the easy thing to do was to bring charges against Moses because he was carrying with him this Cushite wife of his. It should also be noted when we studied Leviticus that for those who were sincerely, uh, spiritually and culturally a part of Israel themselves, uh, then the law and the ordinances would be applicable to them just like it would be to Israel. Obviously Moses would have known uh, that uh, his wife, of course, would have to be spiritually and culturally joined to the Israelites. Apparently she was. However, that wasn't good enough. And so Miriam stirs this up. And she takes as her point of attack the fact that he has a Cushite woman as, his, as, a, as a wife. But the real reason is seen in verse 2. And they said, has Yahweh indeed spoken only through Moses? 
Has he not spoken through us as well? And Yahweh heard it. In the book of Exodus, Miriam is a prophetess, says so. Aaron is the holy man of Israel. He is the high priest. So they were, they were important people. And if you read carefully back in Exodus, you'll see that Miriam was the leader of, uh, of the spiritual movement among the women, being the prophetess. Now they consider themselves to be at least Moses' equals. This is a vast undertaking. Two and a half, three million people moving the logistics, the, the nightmare that the whole thing brought. The difference would be that Yahweh was speaking through Moses. The trek out of Egypt and into the promised land is one of the most important elements in Bible study in the development of the people of God. So trouble from within is bad enough, but the, when the trouble comes from Moses' own family, makes it even worse. And the fact that they are indeed acknowledged spiritual leaders themselves to some degree uh, among the people of Israel. So they are wanting to have authority like Moses had, had authority. Now the answer to their question here in verse 2 is very easy. Has Yahweh indeed spoken only through Moses? Well, the answer is yes. Has he not spoken through us as well? Only as how Yahweh gave instruction through Moses to those two as to how they served. So, you know, their whatever elevated position they may have thought themselves to be in only existed because Yahweh spoke that lofty position into existence through his communication with Moses and for the benefit of the people overall, but still Moses was the one through whom he spoke. Verse 3. And this is in a parenthetical in the original. Now the man Moses was very humble. Now the word humble, uh, another third Hebrew word over, uh, is a word that is somewhat of an uncommon word because connected to the word is the, uh, uh, the fact that Humility, the humility of Moses is joined to his faithfulness. Now you go back, I mean, you go all the way back to the burning bush. You just go all the way back to the, through the, the book of Exodus, beginning of it, the story of Moses. Moses was very humble. Now he had been in Egypt considered the son of Pharaoh. You know that story. But... Because the time came when he defended his people, he had to run away and he was gone for a long time. With regard to the incident of the burning bush, Yahweh spoke to Moses and he said, I want you to go and lead my people out of bondage. Moses took a very humble approach 
and said something like this, I am nothing. Why in the world should anybody listen to me? He, he was not arrogant. He was not filled with personal pride. Even though because of his history, he may have had a reason to have had some personal pride with regard to his relationship to Egypt, he did not. So this word, I know the, the, the Hebrew that we just, we just translated as very humble uh, is a word that ties Moses' humility with his faithfulness to God. He saw himself nothing as nothing only in the hand of God could he be considered useful in any way at all. Otherwise, by himself, he was nothing. So it says he was more humble than any man who was on the face of the earth. So, and the beginning here, now the man. Here, the, the beginning here is a dramatic, um, uh, it's a dramatic sort of turnaround from the, from the discourse that we've seen, verses 1 and 2, to the parenthetic in verse 3, where in this dramatic turnaround, the Holy Spirit says, look, he says to the readers, you and me, he says, Moses probably wouldn't object to give all of this work to him if they want. That's sort of what it says. You can imply, it can be inferred uh, from verse 3. But it wasn't Yahweh's way. So we go back to the last part of verse 2. Yahweh heard it. Yahweh heard what they were doing, how they were conspiring. So Yahweh calls them out. Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. Now this is sort of unusual. Suddenly, another dramatic um, turnaround. Suddenly, Yahweh said to Moses and to Aaron and to Miriam. Something, it'd be something like this. You three, the tent of the meeting, right now. That's about, it was very, very dramatic. So the three of them came out. Then Yahweh came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the doorway of the tent, tabernacle. He called Aaron and Miriam and then both came forward. And he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, Yahweh, shall make myself known to him in a vision. I shall speak with him in a dream. If I want to elevate someone, I will do it in a particular way, namely a vision or a dream. If I'm speaking to someone with prophecy. But it's not that way between me and Moses. He is faithful in all my household. Now, that's a powerful statement. He, his faith overshadows everybody's faith. See, nobody could see that but Yahweh. Moses is humble. When he was first called into this position, he didn't want it. Yahweh promised to be with him and to give him strength and to go before him. 
in whatever would happen, and that's indeed the case all the way through uh, the book of Exodus. And so Yahweh says to Aaron and Miriam, I don't speak to Moses like I would speak to someone else because his faith is above the faith of anyone in all the household. With him, I speak mouth to mouth. Now, he wouldn't say face to face because Moses would have to melt into nothing and disintegrate. But he did talk directly to him. I speak with him directly. I don't wait till he's asleep or give him some kind of vision. I talk direct. We have a conversation. This is how I deal with Moses. I deal with him clearly and not in riddles. Now you see what is implied here is Miriam, Aaron, when is the last time I spoke to you clearly and not in riddles? When is the last time I spoke with you mouth to mouth, directly, not in a vision or a dream, but in a conversation in the moment of the time? And he beholds the form of Yahweh. He can see that indeed what, where the voice is coming from is indeed the form of Yahweh. Now, Yahweh doesn't do that for anybody else. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant, against Moses? How is it that you were afraid, you were not afraid to speak against Moses? I haven't given you that authority. I didn't speak this to you. You didn't get even a vision or a dream about any of this. Only Moses has communication with me like this. You've seen this even in declaring you a prophetess, Miriam, and declaring you to be the communicator, in a sense, for Moses and to be the high priest. All of that came through Moses to you. I didn't tell you personally. It came through Moses. Everything that has happened, the gathering of the people, the organizing of the nation, the building of the tabernacle, the instructions of rituals and sacrifices, all of that came through Moses. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of communication over a period of time. And Yahweh says essentially, None of this came to anyone but Moses, and it came directly from me. You knew this. How is it that you weren't afraid then to speak against my servant Moses? Well, he's going to make him afraid from now on. And because Miriam is the instigator And it all came from her. We saw that in the language, the first verse. The judgment here is going to be issued against Miriam. And here it is. So the anger, the wrath of Yahweh burned against them and he went away. But the cloud withdrew from over the tent and behold, Miriam was leprous, white as snow. 
And Aaron turned toward Miriam and behold, she was leprous. Okay, so they're inside this cloud. When the cloud withdraws, Miriam is a leper. Most dreaded disease. Then Aaron said to Moses, oh, my Lord. Now he's appealing to Moses. He knows that Moses is the one who speaks to Yahweh. Oh, my Lord, I don't. Oh, my leader, my Lord, I beg you, do not place this sin on us in which we have acted foolishly and in which we have sinned. So speaking to Moses, they make their, or at least Aaron makes the confession of the foolishness of their sin. That they should be considered co-equals with Moses in such, in such a vitally important time in the history of God's people. Yahweh does not he does not take it lightly in his judgment. Now, when he, when he withdraws, when the cloud withdraws, Miriam is a leper. There's, there's no promise that she will ever be any better. She is a leper. God turned her into a leper. Oh, no, do not let her be like one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes from his mother's womb. And Moses cried out to Yahweh saying, Oh God, heal her, I pray. So now it is the intercession of Moses that comes up before Yahweh. Yahweh didn't have to say anything else. He just left the building. <laughs> and Miriam was a leper. No need to say anything else. Here's, here's, how, here's what I think of what you've done. She's, and Aaron wouldn't have had any idea at this point, nor would have Moses, that God would do something even worse to him. He appeals to Moses. I suppose that Miriam is in great pain, traumatized by what has happened to her, and it is Aaron who pleads in behalf of both of them to Moses. Yahweh made his point. I don't speak to you. I speak to Moses. And Moses will speak to you. The, the essence of leadership in the work of God being demonstrated as vitally important to Yahweh. But more than that, Moses is a unique character in the Bible because he is called to do and equipped by God to do a very difficult work that God had prepared him for all of his life. I mentioned earlier about the historian who talked about uh, Moses being the commander of Egypt's armies. Moses learned so much. This would have been the mightiest military force in the world in that day. 
the mightiest empire. Moses would have learned how to manage people, how to organize a march, the importance of logistics, making sure that all the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted and that all of the people, all of the soldiers had everything that they needed and they marched in a particular fashion that was in the exact kind of formation, according to historians, that he put, he put under the direction of Yahweh, that he put Israel in when they began to march because this, is, this was in that day uh, the easiest way to move that many people in the same direction. So all of his life he had been prepared for this and he was the servant of Yahweh to do this particular thing. He wasn't John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a unique and, and particular peculiar figure in the Bible. John the Baptist was equipped to do what he was called to do. He, he, he wasn't uh, King David. He wasn't any of the other great characters in the Bible. Moses was specifically tasked and equipped and strengthened by Yahweh to bring the people out of bondage and to lead them to the promised land. No other. Nobody else but Moses. You see, Aaron didn't have that understanding. He didn't have that kind of knowledge that Moses had. Nor did Miriam. Of course, she didn't have that, that kind of, the, of knowledge or, or that kind of, those, kind of, those kinds of personal resources that were needed. What a strength of character Moses must have been. And we see, we see his humility all the way through this thing. Uh, he, was just, he was just a man. He was a common man. But he was called by God. And being called by God, he was separated to do this specific work. And only Moses would do it. Now, they're not there yet, so Moses has not discharged his responsibility. They're not in the promised land yet. And this was an interference with the plan of God. Therefore, the judgment of God comes down and it begins, at least it seems, it begins here with Miriam being made a leper. Just like that, she was a leper. The cloud withdrew and she was covered with and stricken with leprosy. Moses intercedes. Aaron falls to pieces as well he should have. Moses does the only thing he, know to do, he knows to do to cry out in intercession to Yahweh. Oh God, heal her, I pray. Graciously, Yahweh replies to Moses, to Aaron, and to Miriam. Yahweh said to Moses, if her father had, had but spit in her face, would she not bear her dishonor for seven days? Now, that was a particular kind of curse in that culture. Uh, when a father did that, the, the, the child, the daughter would have to be separated for seven days. Let her be shut up for seven days outside the camp and afterwards she may be received again. So Yahweh graciously says, it'll only last seven days. 
Now, my guess is to suffer in leprosy for one day is bad enough. But to suffer in leprosy for seven days must have been a horrible experience. It was the judgment of God. But in response, now this is another thing that underscores the relationship that Yahweh has with Moses that he did not have with Aaron and Miriam. They would observe that Yahweh responded to the intercession of Moses. It was Moses who prayed and by his intercession, Yahweh responds and says that the leprosy will only last for seven days. Not only then do Miriam and Aaron get the point, but all of Israel would have gotten the point because they stopped their march. They didn't take another step for those seven days while Miriam was a leprosy. People could ask the question, why we stopped? Well, Miriam is over there. She's a leper. God judged her. We're not going anywhere until, according to Moses, what Yahweh said to him, she is restored. It's a period of seven days for leprosy to be upon her. So everybody knows here, and God makes the point that Moses is his chosen leader in this situation. So Miriam was shut up outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not set out until Miriam was received again. The whole operation stopped. They weren't going anywhere. After all of the organization, after all of the administration, after everything that had been done to get these people prepared and then finally to begin to march, but then stop because of sin, this is only the third rebellion. There's, <laughs> there's more, more to come. They just were stubborn and rebellious people. So this ends with the beginning of the third stage of the journey. Afterward, however, the people set out from Hezarot and camped in the wilderness of Paran. What a great uh, demonstration from Yahweh of the importance of his established leadership with Moses. Not an easy thing to lead that many people. Nobody else had led the armies of Egypt into battle and had marched them across miles and miles to invade other lands uh, to make sure that a supply chain was, was maintained and that the soldiers were cared for and that they were prepared when they went into battle, that everything administratively uh, was taken care of and everybody knew his place. And they understood the importance of the command of the commander. When you're in charge, take charge. If you're in command, command. Moses understood this. Uniquely qualified, unlike anyone else. It is a great statement that is made here once again by Yahweh. 
that the people are moving according to his plan and according to his purpose and no one else can intervene. No one else has a better idea. No one else can accomplish the will of Yahweh with regard to his people especially than Yahweh. Well, we'll stop there. Let's be dismissed in prayer. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word, the lessons that we receive. And what all of this means to us today that finally the Christ of God would come and be born into the place where Moses was leading them. And there he would perform his father's will. The will of the Father for the Son regarding the people that directly affects me. We thank you for every detail of your word and how it applies to us in our lives. We thank you and we pray that you'll increase our knowledge of who you are and who Christ is in our lives. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.